be advised, we understand some of the content of this presentation may be emotionally triggering in nature. Please listen as you feel comfortable. Hi, I'm Robin Bowdish. Welcome to another podcast in our series uh, from Tusk Against Trafficking on um, labor trafficking in Tuscarawas County and in our surrounding area, I might add too. I'm excited today to be joined um, by McCrea LaRue and I'll let let her tell you a little bit about herself. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, uh, So (laughs) my name is McCrea LaRue, as you already (laughs) said, Um, and I work at Guernsey Health Choices right now. Um, We are an alcohol and drug uh, treatment facility, substance use disorder facility. Um, and we also do mental health. So we're really growing that side of, of what we do um, and that sort of thing in Cambridge, Ohio. Um, but before I had that job, I just recently stepped, well, I'm recently stepped into the position there. Um, I was the Tusk Against Trafficking Coordinator. So um, that's kind of my background in human trafficking and what I do now a little bit. Um is there anything else you wanted to know about me? Don't let McCrea <laughs> fool you. She has extensive knowledge about trafficking, particularly labor trafficking in Tuscarawas County. So um, we are very pleased to have her join us and share her expertise with us. So when we talk about labor trafficking in our county and in our particular area, how do people actually become involved in trafficking situations? What's your experience in so what we see a lot in Tusk County um, it is in relation to our Hispanic community in particular. Um, we have a very high percentage of Hispanic individuals. Um, in particular, our undocumented Hispanic minors or un- unaccompanied Hispanic minors. I'm sorry. Um, they and forgive me if I'm wrong, you might be more aware of the recent statistics than I am, but there we're third in the state of Ohio as far as um, how many unaccompanied Hispanic minors we have coming into our county. You're, you're absolutely act, you're absolutely correct on that. And um, in federal fiscal year 2019, which went from October 1st to September 30th, mm-hmm. 2019, Tuscarawas County received 83 undocumented minors placed here, which placed us third. Right. And so my understanding is that per capita, we're number one. Mm -hmm. So because we're behind Franklin and uh, Hamilton, Hamilton, thank you. Um, So, yeah, so we have a pretty high number of unaccompanied Hispanic minors. And what we know from previous um, successfully and unsuccessfully charged situations in regard to labor trafficking and surrounding counties in Ohio with other um, high Hispanic uh, unaccompanied Hispanic minor numbers. Um, that population in particular is extremely vulnerable for, for human trafficking in general. Um, so um, to circle back to your question, how it, how it happens here, how people become involved um, a lot of times for that population, it, starts in Guatemala. So or for us here in Tusk County, we have a lot of Guatemalans in particular. Um, and there's um, situations where they get kind of um, lured into coming to the United States with these traffickers. 
and these traffickers will give their the, these children's families or or even adult family members um, promises of a better future for the kids, promises of the great American dream and education and a job where they'll get to send money home. And um, what we have to understand is there are places in Guatemala that are extremely dangerous and unhealthy places to live. Um, and so uh, these families allow these kids to come thinking that they're giving their kids a better future. They're giving them hope, um, sometimes even a better chance at surviving, depending on the situation from where they're coming from. Um, and so uh, once the kids get here, they are told that they're... Um, not legal citizens. They're told that they'll be deported if they try to go to law enforcement. They're told that they'll kill, that the, that the traffickers will kill or hurt um, these kids' family members back home. And it's not just kids, it's adults too. Adults get sucked into this as well. They get convinced that they're going to be able to live the American dream, that they're going to be legal citizens, and they don't really have ways to fact check that. Um, so they're, they're, um, they're, Co not really coerced they're convinced that um are manipulated into coming up here um and then they're under the power and control of their trafficker once they get here because they have systems set in place so that these people um feel like they don't have any other choice but to continue in that lifestyle um so that's one way that particular population and some other populations from around the world get involved um then you also have your developmentally delayed population. And a lot of times um, those individuals are just more trusting in nature. And so, and they might not have the same awareness of safety and danger. Um, and so um, they will um, believe people and get, get manipulated and coerced into these situations. And again, it's that the once, once they get manipulated into these situations with these people who are experts at what they do, which is trafficking and, and treating people like objects. Um, once they get into those situations, there are tactics that these people use to keep them there and to make them feel trapped. Um, so there's a lot of different ways it can look. There's, there's, um, a lot of minorities, people at risk of other things. Those, those are the people that, that traffickers generally prey on. Um, the traffickers really, really look for vulnerable populations. And you named some um, children that are aging out of the foster care system are also uh, hugely vulnerable because they don't have those connections or those support mm -hmm. systems yeah. Yeah. Uh, to help them through that. Um, so really, it's any kind of marginalized population mm -hmm. yeah. uh, where yep. these uh, these traffickers will prey. Um, the and these these people who become involved with these traffickers are really looking for some way to meet their most basic needs of food, shelter, um, somebody to care for them. You know that emotional connection mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, yeah, you covered that pretty well. Um, so I guess really we kind of talked about this too, what populations are at risk for labor trafficking, uh, um, as well as how people come become involved with traffickers. Um, but why do these people stay involved with traffickers once, once they get a job and they're earning a living, shouldn't they have some kind of, um, sense that they can become independent? Yeah. So, um, 
(laughs) This can look different depending on the situation. Traffickers, something that's really important to understand is that traffickers literally make a living off of manipulating people. Um, And so they will prey on whatever weaknesses the person in their control under the, under their, under their control has. So, um, you know, how someone would keep me involved in trafficking would probably be different than how someone would keep you involved in trafficking. So it looks different from, it looks person, different to from person. person to person. So, so whatever their weaknesses are, um, sometimes people will get, uh, victims addicted to drugs and that's a chemical tether because sometimes, you know, the relapse could kill them. The relapse could uh, make them feel like they're dying, whatever the situation is where they get they get addicted. And then that is a um, tether in and of itself. Um, sometimes they'll threaten family members, like I mentioned before, that they're going to hurt family members, kill family members, pets, um, friends. They'll use those types of tactics. Um, they will make the victims feel like they're crazy. And like, this is a great situation to be in. Like, you know, you're here in America living the dream, you know, in Guatemala, your life expectancy wasn't, you know, past 30 years old. And here, even though you're being, you know, mistreated in these ways, um, it's, it's so much better here, you know, and in some ways, especially for the Guatemalan population, for some people, it is better Mm -hmm. here being trafficked than it is back in Guatemala. Um, So Um, that can be tactics that they use. They can sometimes, um, many times traffickers will keep the paychecks, um, as a way to pay off a debt or, um, whether it's legitimate or illegitimate, they won't, they won't actually pay their individuals or, um, they'll force them to, uh, like they'll provide housing and be like, yeah, we'll give you a job. We'll give you housing. We'll give you all these things. And then their rent is so high that they're not getting hardly any of their paycheck or whatever it is that these people feel powerless. Um, there was a story that I heard, um, where a young woman with developmental disabilities was being trafficked and the traffickers forced her to beat her daughter and told her if she didn't do it, they would make it, they would beat her and it'd be nine times worse type thing. Um, and so the woman beat her daughter and they videoed it and they told her that if she ever went to the authorities and told them that they were labor trafficking her, um, that they would show the authorities that video and her daughter would be taken away. So, you know, it's, it's just a matter of whatever someone, however they can manipulate Mm -hmm. or abuse or exercise that control Mm -hmm. over someone. Um, they're really good at it Sure, and they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to, to keep that control over their victim. And, and I've, I'm also aware that traffickers will uh, inflate the debt mm-hmm. that uh, the person has. So, um, or come up with one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it may be that a trafficker says, okay, for uh, $5,000, you can come to the U.S. And then the person's working, working, working. Five years later, they believe they've paid off that $5,000. So they go to the trafficker and the trafficker says, oh, no, there was interest Mm -hmm. on that. So you now owe me $20,000. And again, going back to what you said earlier, well, if you go to authorities, you don't have any papers because Mm -hmm. I have your papers. Yeah, Yeah, someone else will do. They'll hold the papers. um, So you, you know, you'll get deported or you'll get sent back or any number or I'll go to your family and you know, you've shamed your family type thing. So, yeah. 
Um, so in the time you were, the short time that you were in Tusk County doing um, uh, human trafficking awareness, human trafficking uh, coalition building, things like that, uh, you had uh, had some good information or you able to, were able to connect with some people who had some good information on uh, labor trafficking and the history of that in our county. What does that look like? Can you give us a so, snapshot? The history of labor trafficking in Tuscross County, again, the, 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 the labor trafficking that seems to be the, um, I don't want to say the worst situation, but, but the situation that's most prevalent in Tuscross County, we'll put it that way, um, is our situation with our Hispanic um, individuals. Um, I had talked to a couple people and, you know, I haven't even uh, been alive that long, let alone been in the field very long. Um, But I've talked to some people who have said that, you know, we seem there there have been red flags of human trafficking as in Tuscarawas County as early as the seventies, mm-hmm. um, sometimes even the sixties. Um, there are people who say that um, they used to be renters and um, these farmers would come to them expecting to put, you know, 20 some Hispanic individuals in one apartment, you know, a three bedroom mm-hmm. apartment and, um, and because they had done it before and these renters were like, that's not how I'm about to do like, you know, that might've been what your previous landlord did, but that's not, I'm not about that. Um, and so, well, I'm sorry, the landlords, not renters, they were rent anyway, they were yes. owners of <laughs> renters. <laughs> um, so these landlords didn't, didn't want to participate in that. Um, and so, um, you know, that's, that's the type of situation where, um, that, that's a red flag that they, that these farmers had these Hispanic individuals that they were trying to find housing for, and they were mm-hmm. trying to put so many into such a small facility. And it was always like over the, the harvest time, like, you know, um, spring, spring to fall there. Um, and then they would just disappear. Um, I've talked to school professionals who have said the same thing where there's just like this migrate migration type tendency of this population to come in and do do summer work and then go to Florida or Georgia over the winter um, to do more work and then come back. And it really affects um, the children's schooling. Um, but they, you know, it was one of those things where I'm, and, and, you know, I, I wasn't around, like I said, so I'm not going to assume that I know everything about that time period, but labor trafficking wasn't as well known that it was going on and so the red flags weren't recognized that that's what was going on they they knew that something right might not have been happening but um they weren't they weren't sure what it was Mm -hmm. and so um it's just a really interesting there's so many patterns Mm -hmm. that it is um there's there's a lot of question marks about is it just individuals seeking work on their own or is it a is someone taking advantage and manipulating them from that time period. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been a lot of that going on throughout the years. Um, as far as other labor trafficking, you know, with developmentally delayed people or people who are like teenagers in foster care, that sort of thing. Um, or even just people in general who just find themselves in need of a, um, job (laughs) and, and are easily taken advantage of for whatever reason. Um, 
those ones are harder to identify because there's not, um, there's not as easily distinguishable patterns. Um, so, um, those ones are just a little bit more difficult to know the history of our area and how that feeds into that. So you, you talk about the Guatemalan population, um, which I think is a main focus of, of our, what we think is our labor trafficking issue in Tuscarawas County. But there are also third world countries who, mm-hmm. where family members will traffic their own family. For um, sure. And so that's a scary thought too. But I, I think even more concerning is the fact to me is the fact that we have these, these kids aging out of foster care with no support mm-hmm. who are extremely vulnerable and granted, it's not the same number as we see with the unaccompanied minors that come into the area who have absolutely no support. We feel like these foster children should have some kind of support, but yet they are looking for ways to feel independent. And yeah. so they become involved <laughs> with these traffickers because they think they're gaining there's a independence. Sense. Yeah, there's yes. a false sense of independence and security yes. and all that. And those traffickers are meeting those needs yeah. for them. Um yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've only been gone for two months. So unless something crazy has happened in two months yeah. and I haven't been made aware of it, we don't have any um, specific housing for 18 to 26 year old homeless yeah. uh, young adults. We have homeless housing, but we don't have anything um, specific for that mm-hmm. age range. And that age range is... Um, interesting to work with to Mm -hmm. say the least Mm -hmm. as you mentioned they they want that independence they want that freedom um and and for kids aging out of the foster care system in particular I mean you know I'm a foster parent so that's something that's really close to my heart and I um I I it's it's heartbreaking we know that kids who age out of the foster care system are more at risk for using drugs. They're more at risk for domestic violence. They're more at risk for abuse. They're more at risk for labor and sex trafficking. Um, if a child has been um, sexually abused, they're 28 more times likely to be involved in sex trafficking. I mean, that's huge. And if they've been involved in, you know, I think it was 90% of victims, human trafficking victims that we've identified over 90% of them have been involved in the system at one point or another. Mm -hmm. So it's a giant risk factor, this aging out of the foster care system. And some kids who age out of the foster care system do have support. Some of them do have foster parents that they can kind of tie back to or, or have that, um, have that steady home some of them won't use that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then others don't have it um and so there's just this um we definitely have a need to wrap around those individuals and to support them and to um do it in a way that is not demeaning that's trauma informed supporting and that's that is um that's empowering Mm -hmm. rather than word um here, let me give you some handouts because you mm-hmm. can't do this. You're not a big kid yet, you know, mm-hmm. because they already have that mentality about themselves. And so it's so important to approach it with a with with trauma informed evidence based practices. And we know what we're doing so that people actually utilize it and respond in positive respond in a way that produces positive outcomes. The other thing that makes that an important um, 
way to address the issue is that we know those traffickers are mm-hmm. going to look at those kids in that way <laughs> yeah. because they're going to fill any void that they can find. Yep. Like you said, there's no no two people are trafficked the same way mm-hmm. or become involved in trafficking yep. the same way because traffickers are uh, sly and manipulative yep. and will f- will figure out yep. what void that child, that young person has yeah. and try to meet that void. And it's, it's exactly, you know, it's kind of alarming because if you look at it, people who do, you know, like what you and I do for so long, mm-hmm. we get to the point, especially clinical people, we get to the point where we can walk into Walmart and tell you which people are our people. I'm using mm-hmm. air quotes. You guys mm-hmm. can't see me. I do that so often. It's <laughs> terrible. But we're, we see our people, you know, the people that for me right now, it's I'm, I'm learning the signs of addiction. I'm learning the signs of um, domestic violence, like those kinds of things. And we can we can pinpoint them out of a crowd Mm -hmm. and we can tell almost immediately what some of their weaknesses are, what some of their strengths are, Mm -hmm. um, what drug they're using, how long they've been using, if they were physically abused or emotionally abused or neglected, like we can tell that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. because we've done the work long Mm -hmm. enough. And that's an intrinsic skill. That's not something that you learn in the classroom. Right. And these traffickers have that same innate knowledge. Mm -hmm. They have that. And they just, I often say they use their powers for evil instead of good. That's correct. That's a good way to put it. um, I use that with kids a lot. You know, it's, it's not a matter of them noticing that's bad. It's, it's how they use that knowledge. And, and, they're really good at what they do because they make a living off of it. And so they make a very good living off of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's one of the more lucrative criminal, Mm -hmm. um, behaviors in Mm -hmm. America. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. uh, It's important information. So it's good. No, you're fine. Okay. Um, so you talked about being able to recognize our people mm-hmm. based on the signs. What are uh, some signs that people might see okay. that would lead them to believe someone is being trafficked? Okay. So I'm really bad at like remembering lists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the one thing I want to say before I even get started on this list that I'm basically going to kind of read from um, is the fact that a lot of times it's a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, more than half of our communication is through body language. Mm-hmm. And we also, more than half of our brain doesn't have access to language. Mm-hmm. And so we might not be able to say what the red flag is particularly. It's just a gut mm-hmm. feeling. Mm-hmm. And and that gut feeling is still a knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people discredit that a lot because they can't put words to it. They can't quantify it, whatever it is. That, or they think somebody else will think it's silly. Yeah. Or they think someone else will think it's silly and they're embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that gut feeling is important. Mm-hmm. So as I go through this list again, you know, red flags don't necessarily mean someone's being trafficked. Um, what really, and, and don't discount your gut feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so a lot of times, even clinically, we'll just say it's yucky. 
And, and I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a clinical term at all, but you just. I was going to say, what's the diagnosis code right, for Right, that? exactly. Um, it's not in the DSM-5 anywhere, <laughs> but we will. Like in, in mm-hmm. clinical conversations, we'll be like, it was just yucky. Like you uh-huh. can't really, or it was just off, or mm-hmm. um, it was the, the fancy way to say it is incongruent or mm-hmm. maladaptive mm-hmm. or like that kind of thing. But um, anyway, that gut feeling is paramount and it's just really important to understand that um, your responses are your responses for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, so some of the tra- signs that someone can be uh, being labor trafficked are their working conditions. So, you know, mm-hmm. whether or not they have access to their documentation, whether they go by a different name at work than they do at home, mm-hmm. than they do in public, you know, however mm-hmm. many different names they go by. And I'm not just talking like, my nickname is Kriya. So like mm-hmm. I go by Makriya or Kriya. Some mm-hmm. people call me Big Mac, like mm-hmm. all these different, right? So mm-hmm. there's all these different nicknames. Those those are clearly nicknames. I'm talking mm-hmm. like whole other mm-hmm. names. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a red flag. Um, not getting paid mm-hmm. or getting paid exorbitant amounts. Um, I don't know if I said that word right. Um, <laughs> but works excessively long or unusual hours. You know, um, some people just work weird hours. I'm a mm-hmm. social worker. Social workers work weird right. hours. But these are situations where, um, you know, they're sleeping at work. They mm-hmm. live where they work. Mm-hmm. Um, they get isolated at work. They're not allowed to talk about their employer. You know, um, I had one girl come up to me after a training and she said, so whenever people call from these certain coworkers or my boss, I'm supposed to say that they're dead. Is that a red flag? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you have to say someone's dead, that's definitely mm-hmm. a red flag. It was a great question, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause you know, sometimes I just really don't want to talk on the phone. I've never told anyone to say I'm dead, but I have <laughs> came up with excuses before. So I, 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 you know, that, that young lady probably thought that it was just an excuse not to talk on the phone, but, um, those types of things are red flags. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a local situation. Mm-hmm. Um, having those large debts that we talked about Mm -hmm. that, that, uh, you know, we've had kids drop out of school because they owe, uh, a significant debt to the person who brought them over from wherever Mm -hmm. they're coming from. Um, and so they dropped out of school to work so that they could pay that debt Mm -hmm. off so that they could go back to school without that debt hanging over their head. Um, if they're, so we also see at the hospitals locally, um, the employers come in with, their employees mm-hmm. for work-related injuries mm-hmm. and don't allow the employees to speak. Right. Um, there's just a lot of those types of, again, these situations where things just seem off. Someone seems mm-hmm. vulnerable or someone seems under the control or power of someone else. Um, I was those listening types of to a survivor talk this week, a survivor mm-hmm. of labor trafficking who was actually trafficked by her aunt from Africa, from a small town in Africa to New Jersey, along with 22 other girls. Um, and so she, what she was talking about was that she was basically groomed from before birth because her aunt took a huge interest in her as a, you know, when her, her mother was pregnant and then could make her dreams come true. And this girl could come to America with the aunt and become an attorney because anything's possible in America. And then 
she ended up being trafficked, a labor trafficked. Uh, But she said they would get up in the morning and at six o'clock in the morning, they would spend the first from six to seven as a group going over their names because they had different names going over their biographical information, um, you know, their why they weren't in school, you know, how they got to America, where they lived, you know, like they were yeah. uh, uh, given this information yeah, and they all had to memorize it and repeat it. And so this from six to seven was spent as their time reiterating all wow. that so that they could remember that. And, and that was their stock yeah. response. So those canned responses that are so scripted and yep. rehearsed yep. that each time you ask the person, you know, what's your name? It's mm-hmm. just kind of automatic that it comes out that way. Where are you from? It's just this canned response. Right, right. I recently heard a story about um, a child who was groomed for a while and they, the traffickers had set up in, in this young boy's life that his babysitter, his mother, um, all the women in his life went by the same name mm-hmm. <laughs> so that if not, mo- it was like the f- same first name mm-hmm. so that if anyone ever asked, who were you mm-hmm. with? He always mm-hmm. gave the same response mm-hmm. and it always looked like he was with who he was supposed so, to be yeah, with. Right, right. And so, you know, tra- like I said, tra- there is no limit to mm-hmm. what, what these traffickers will do, mm-hmm. um, to get that, to get that money. I mean, that's, sure. that's what it boils down to. Um, another thing that we see a lot of, and this can be a red flag of any kind of abuse or, uh, violence or anything is, is huge anxiety and avoidance Mm -hmm. of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Um, people who abuse other people, whether it's traffickers, whether it's abusive spouses, whether it's abusive parents, whatever the situation is, they're really, really good at making victims feel as though, they've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the victim has done something wrong. They've become addicted to drugs Mm -hmm. as a way to cope. They've had people get them addicted to drugs. You know, in in human trafficking, we see a lot of times the traffickers get them addicted to drugs, sometimes against their will. Um, You know, kids are told that it's their fault that they are beat or that, you know, they'll be taken away from their parents, whatever it is. Um, And so, um, they become, if you mention, Hey, well, let's just call somebody and get some help or, Hey, let's just see if we can get some law enforcement to answer some questions or different stuff like that. Um, those can be huge red flags mm-hmm. of labor trafficking of abuse in general. Um, but that's one that, that those mental health symptoms are kind of a bit more difficult to mm-hmm. list, but things like, you know, depression, anxiety, just basic changes in baseline function. So if you've seen this kid, you know, come into your church for, you know, two years and they've looked this way, they've interacted with these people, they've acted in a certain way. And suddenly one or more of those areas is drastically shifting. That can be a red flag. If you have neighbors who have always had, you know, two kids and now they have seven kids and there's more kids in and out and people, adults that you don't know with out of state license plates, you know, those can be red flags mm-hmm. um so these types of things noticing differences in behaviors knowing distance differences in habits um and again a lot of those things produce that gut feeling mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and those things can be huge red flags mm-hmm. of of any kind of abuse but mm-hmm. but labor trafficking in particular and one of the things too with somebody with a young person who's being groomed if 
that it, if they have, you know, they have the normal clothes, the regular clothes, um, and they're coming to school, particularly in this in the rural areas, and then all of a sudden they show up in very fancy clothes and leather shoes and you know designer purses and uh, you know have have cash to spend that they mm-hmm. and you know they come from the newest a nicest boots. family <laughs> yeah you know they come from a family that is budgeting yeah um, that's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Because where is that money coming from? Somebody is grooming them, uh, could be grooming them to, Mm -hmm. uh, so by buying their affection, by by filling that void for them. So that's, for sure, um, that's huge that they come up with all those possessions when they didn't have any. Um, because another uh, indicator of human trafficking or another red flag is a lack of possession. Somebody yeah. who doesn't have anything, because once that person um, becomes ensnared, the trafficker then uses those possessions to uh, control. Yep. The person. Yep. And, and then they use those. They also take those possessions and because they have that control and manipulation mm-hmm. and then they use them on the next victim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they mm-hmm. just recycle them. Mm-hmm. So that can be another another huge indicator for sure. And somebody who is not in control of their identification, if they don't, you know, if it's somebody who's, um, who's, uh, and who's involved from another country, they might not have any papers, mm-hmm. um, because their trafficker is holding them. If yeah. it's uh, somebody from the United States, it could be, they don't have their driver's license or, uh, right. in, or they're not in control of passports or things like that. Somebody else yeah. controls those documents, those important papers for them. Right. Okay. And something else to note, I know you guys have talked a lot about sex trafficking. Something else mm-hmm. to note is that labor trafficking and sex trafficking often go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if there's other indicators of sex trafficking um, and they're working another job or anything like that, then that can that can also be labor trafficking. Um And then also we've kind of talked a little bit in the field about how gangs um, engage in labor trafficking. Um, You know, if you don't go sell these drugs, you know, X, Y, and Z is going to happen to you and your Mm -hmm. family. That's making someone work under duress. Um, And so there's, there's a lot of um, studies and stuff about how uh, gang involvement is even a form of Mm -hmm. now, whether you're not, you're going to make it anywhere in the court of law with that mm-hmm. is another question entirely, but, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely not a good situation. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, is there anything else you would want our community to know about labor trafficking? Anything else that you've, uh, learned in your time in working in Tusk County with Tusk against trafficking or working in Guernsey County, the short period of time you've been yeah. there? <laughs> um, I would say, Um, Just being aware, um, you know, paying attention to um, people around you, uh, what what any abnormal situations uh, that might be going on, Um, you know, it can be in restaurants, it can be in um, uh, factories, on farms, nail salons, um, you know, it can massage parlors. Um, there's lots of different situations that can, um, 
that, that it can manifest mm-hmm. in, if that makes any sense. Uh, and so even just house, house cleaning, housework, mm-hmm. having a live in nanny, those types mm-hmm. of situations, those can all be labor trafficking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so taking notice of those things mm-hmm. and asking questions, you know, one thing that I always, and then, and then if you do have that gut feeling, if you do have those underlying concerns, um, or just blatant red flags, say something, you know, mm-hmm. um, your guys' motto, if you see something, say mm-hmm. something. That's huge because, um, you know, I've often said I would rather be embarrassed and it not be labor trafficking or sex trafficking, either one, than not make the call and mm-hmm. someone continue in a lifestyle that could eventually kill them or, or isn't healthy for them in some way. Okay, so, so I'd like you to elaborate on say something. Who do you say something to? <laughs> so... Um, you know, there's, there's lots of different individuals you can contact. Um, you can contact your local law enforcement. You can mm-hmm. contact, uh, the sheriff's office. You can cont- contact, um, state highway patrol. They're very, very well trained in human trafficking related concerns. Um, you can, uh, reach out to human trafficking hotline numbers. Um, and I have been away long enough that that memorized number has left my number. brain. <laughs> Uh, 888-373-3888. There you go. Or text HELP, the okay. word HELP, to pound 233733. There you go. So, Perfect. Yeah. But but I guess my point is I, I want people to know that it's never a good idea to go up to someone and say, are you being trafficked? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I often joke and say that no one will ever just walk up to you and say, Hey, I'm being trafficked. And if you ask them that question, they're never going to answer it with a yes. And I always said that in my trainings. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I had somebody come up to me and say, Hey, I was human trafficked. So that was, I was mm-hmm. like, well, that's hilarious because mm-hmm. I've always said that this would never happen. And it just mm-hmm. happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I do. I think, you know, you don't want to, walk up you don't want to insert yourself in a situation where you're not safe Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. and then you also don't want to ask those kinds of questions because that person can be um severely abused for having someone even ask that question Mm -hmm. so um if 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 something doesn't seem right you know if you feel like you're competent in asking questions like hey you know where do you live or you know how do you like your job mm-hmm. or um do you get to leave your job when you want to mm-hmm. like those kinds of questions if you feel like you can do it with that person you have a strong enough relationship and they won't suspect anything mm-hmm. um you know that's that's your call but um really just uh <laughs> trying to handle it in a way that keeps you safe and the other mm-hmm. person safe is the best bet. Mm-hmm. Um, Get as much information as you can safely, safely about the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I've um, become a real proponent of cell phone, cell phones for taking pictures mm-hmm. or recording information yep. um, so that I can remember it. Yep. Um, so those kinds of things that you can relate mm-hmm. to law enforcement Absolutely. are really important. And, you know, you might not have enough information for law enforcement to do anything. But if you call in one red flag and I call in another red flag and Sally Sue calls in a third red flag, that might be enough. And I have the name. Sally Sue has the address and you have what they look like. That might be enough to finally get to the point where. Um, something can be done from a legal perspective. Well, there's that. And um, I had this question come up during a presentation. Uh, a person said to me, you know, 
I did notice something strange down the street. I noticed there are all these different cars that are coming in and out. And um, I've noticed that for about a month. And I've often thought I should uh, call law enforcement, but that just seems silly. And anyway, I call them when I do call them. I'm not sure they come out. Uh, I've got a couple things to say about that. First of all, if they come out, you may not know it Mm -hmm. because that investigation Number one, it may have been an initial investigation that didn't really lead to anything, Mm -hmm. except that it made their presence known. If you see it again, call again. Don't say, well, I called once and they didn't do anything. That's not the case. Um, The thing is, like you said, the more information law enforcement gets, the the more ammunition they have to to follow through on on issues like human trafficking right. or um, whatever, yep. whatever the illegal activity may be, if there is one going on. Right. One call might not be enough, but two or three or four um, might make a difference. And that is their job to investigate right. that and know that they are doing their job. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All righty. Um, so we gave you the numbers for the human trafficking hotline and uh, contact information or talked about contacting the Ohio State Highway Patrol and local law enforcement. Our sheriff's department works closely with a number of the agencies that are involved against in Tusk against trafficking, as well as Tusk against trafficking itself. So um, they are always very supportive of us. I just want to let you know that our last podcast of this series will be a question and answer session. So if you have any questions um, from McCrea's discussion today, please go to our website, tuskagainsttrafficking.org, and use our email to submit those questions, or you can do it through our Facebook page, um, which you can find by searching Tusk Against Trafficking as well. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate you coming back. Um, It was great to see you and great to talk with you. Good to see you too. If you would like to contribute to anti-trafficking efforts in Tuscarawas County, you can send your donations to Compass at P.O. Box 481, New Philadelphia, Ohio, 44663. Please be sure to indicate human trafficking in the memo line. We appreciate your partnership in this work. Together, we can make a difference.